Welcome to Come and Reason with Christian psychiatrist and author Dr. Tim Jennings. Together we will reason through complex issues to find evidence-based answers that harmonize scripture, science, and our life experiences. I'm your Come and Reason host, Charles Mills. In case you haven't noticed, life is all about relationships. How we relate to others forms the very backbone of our happiness, or lack thereof. So it's essential that we are at least proficient at forming and maintaining good relationships with others, be they neighbor or co-worker, friend, or especially spouse. So how do we create a successful relationship with another human being? Dr. Jennings is here via Skype to share five keys for doing just that. Dr. Jennings, what's on your heart today? So let's start with our first key. Healthy relationships require healthy people. Mm. First key is before you pursue a relationship to ask the question, are you taking all the actions and governance of you that are necessary to be the healthiest person you can be in governance of you? Mm-hmm. Even when you're perfectly healthy, as in Jesus, relationships can still break down. Look what happened with Judas. Yes. Betrayal happened. So we have to recognize reality. In relationships, there's two individualities interacting. We cannot have a healthy relationship with another human being who is unhealthy. We can have relationship. We just can't have healthy relationship. Mm. And so the first key to a healthy relationship is to be a healthy person ourselves, and that requires a certain level of maturity, a certain level of ability to look in the mirror at oneself, to own one's own mistakes, a certain level of truthfulness with ourselves, a willingness to to say, you know, I'm not perfect, but I can learn, I can grow. When I come up short, I can learn from that experience and adapt and apply new insights and methods so that I'm less likely to make those same mistakes in the future. That's development, that's maturity. So as we bring those principles to bear in our own life that make us healthier, that's the first key. Does that mean that in some relationships that aren't healthy, we may be the unhealthy one and not know it? That's the next, yes, perfect. Yes, that was a perfect timing for that question because the other side of that relationship is if you have a pattern of failed relationship after failed relationship after failed relationship, you look at that pattern of history and is the common denominator you. <laughs> and and I will tell you, yes. that's very often the case. I have patients who come see me and they have had failed relationship, they failed relationships at work, failed relationships with their own siblings, failed relationship with multiple significant others, whether they're married or not married. They have conflicts everywhere and the common denominator is them. Mm-hmm. And some individuals come because they realize they have a pattern of bad relationships and they want to figure out what's going on. Others come just because they're hurt and broken and wounded and they have no awareness that the problem is in certain elements they bring to the relational table. And until they're willing to look in that mirror and deal with those elements, they continue to repeat those patterns. And so, yes, the first place to start is to look in the mirror and ask, in my landscape of my life, do I have the one-off bad relationship like Jesus had 
12 disciples, one betrayed him, the other stayed loyal, okay? 11 healthy relationships, not perfect. Peter had some struggles, but Peter came back and acknowledged it was his problem, and Peter repented, and Peter made changes. And so you can see that Jesus' relationships, 11 of them worked out, one of them didn't. So that would give us the weight of evidence that Jesus was not the problem. Of course, we know that's true. We can use that kind of a thing looking at our life as most places. You know, I get along with most people here, 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 and I have really good relations. But that one relationship is, is okay, then that's an evidence that that other person may be the unhealthy person needs to deal with themselves. You're dealing with yourself reasonably well then. So that would be one indicator one could look at. But, but first one, healthy relationships require healthy people. Become the healthiest person you can be in governance of yourself. And we don't have time to go into all the steps necessary to achieve that, but right. just understand that idea. Mm-hmm. But next, it would be trust. A healthy relationships require trust. And in order to trust someone that person needs to be trustworthy. And trustworthiness has several elements. One, ultimate trust. The person loves you more than themselves. If they don't love you more than themselves, as long as things are good, okay, they're reliable, but when push comes to shove, they betray you to protect themselves. So they have to love you more than themselves. But two, they have to have a certain level of maturity. Your your five-year-old child may love you and see you in danger and run right into harm's way to save you. They'd give their life for you, but they're so immature, they can't handle any serious responsibility. You can't trust them to take your paycheck to the bank. That's true. So they have to have a certain level of maturity, even though they love you. And three, they have to have wisdom. And there are certain... Christians that I've seen that love the other person more than self, and and they have good self-governance, and they have a a certain level of maturity, but they don't have wisdom when it comes to how God built relationships, and they've bought into a system that tells them that that women should submit to the authority of their husband, and they treat their wives like property, and they don't respect the individuality and the intelligence of their wives, and so they destroy love in their marriage that way. And so it requires a certain level of wisdom as well in order to trust. So when you're moving into a relationship as a healthy person, you're evaluating, can I trust this person? Do they love me? Are they mature? Uh, Do they have uh, wisdom on how relationships work such that we can have a trust, confident, open relationship? Mm. Next would be honesty. So that's healthy people, trust, honesty. You can't have a healthy relationship with someone who's dishonest. And we're talking honesty of heart because there's always forgetfulness or oversights or misunderstandings that occur. And many people can't believe it or not. When misunderstandings occur, I said this and and this is what I meant, but you heard that and you interpreted it differently. Those are misunderstandings. Those are not dishonesty. But believe it or not, there are some very rigid thinkers that, well, that's not what you said. You were being you were lying. That's been inflamed recently with the, how, how some of the media has taken certain words that were meant one way, and they twist them to make it say another thing. Yeah. And you see this done politically all the time. It's, it's quite unhealthy. Yeah. Healthy relationships are when we try to truly understand the true intention of what the other person said, and don't take their words and try to parse them to make some point with them. We try to understand the real meaning. So honesty, we're honest with what we say, we're honest in what we hear from the other person. Hmm. I like the word intention there. I like the word that you used, intention. We need to be looking for intention there, because sometimes the words may not reflect the intention as well as even the person saying them wish they would. So healthy people, 
have to be healthy, mm-hmm. have to have trust. You can't have a relationship without trust. Mm-hmm. We have to be honest with ourselves and what we're dealing with. A lot of dishonesty is the dishonesty of not being honest in what we're dealing with. Oh, he really didn't mean it. Oh, she really didn't mean it. And so we lie to ourselves about what we're seeing in the other person. Mm-hmm. But if, if we want to have the relationship, we have to be honest. And then we deal with those problems honestly. Hey, you know something? I really didn't appreciate what you said there. That was hurtful to me. And I, I love you, but, but I want to talk about what just happened there. So many relationships break down because people are not honest in dealing with each other because, well, they don't want to hurt the other's feelings or they don't want to admit what they're seeing from the other and what it might mean. Hmm. And so they're not honest with themselves. So honest with themselves, honest in the way we speak, honest in the way we deal with each other. Honesty is critical. Good. And sometimes that dishonesty can be, well, I don't want to hurt their feelings. I didn't really like that dress, but I didn't want to tell her because it would hurt her feelings. You know, what happens, though, over the course of time, if that pattern persists, the other person begins to perceive that and, and doesn't trust you. Trust is undermined. You're not honest with me. Mm-hmm. You lie. Mm-hmm. Okay, that breaks down the fabric of the relationship. So honesty is important. And then freedom. We leave other people free. We can disagree. We share our ideas, but we respect the freedom. We don't try to control. When you try to control another person in a relationship, you will damage love and you will incite rebellion. One of the most devastating things to a relationship is when freedom is taken out of it and another person is controlled, criticized, punished, managed in some way, but they have that sense, I'm not really free in this relationship. It's quite devastating. And the last, of course, which encompasses essentially all of this, is we have to love in that relationship. We really care about their well-being. We want to uplift. We love, care, not just love what they do for us. We love them. So we want to celebrate their successes. We want to uplift them. We want to give of ourselves to bring joy to their life. And when they love us, they want to do the same in return. Are these things even possible without at least a portion of Christ in our hearts? If, if, we have a, if we do not have Christ in our hearts, can we still do these things? So in my worldview, the answer, of course, is no, but that doesn't mean a person realizes Christ is in their heart. Mm. Uh, all truth comes from the spirit of truth. All yes. love comes from the spirit of love, which is Christ's agency here on earth. Yes. So the degree you see people operating on godly principles of truth, love, other-centeredness, honesty, all of these things we've just described, it is an evidence of the Holy Spirit working in their lives. Whether they consciously are aware of it or not is a different question. The Bible's very clear in Romans chapter 2, starting verse 12, that those who have not heard about Scripture but do the things contained in it are a law unto themselves, showing that the laws are written on their heart and mind. Mm. And so the Holy Spirit's working to bring all people these godly principles, those who value it, embrace it, the Holy Spirit continues to help them develop. So not every person who experiences God's healing, love, and truth in their life has necessarily come to a cognitive acknowledgement of God. In fact, some of them may have rejected the historic Dark Ages God because that historic Dark Ages God was such a perversion of what Jesus revealed, and they've embraced these principles instead, which means they're much closer to God than the Dark Ages Bible believers who would burn people at the stake. That is, that is beautiful, because like I've said on this program before, I was raised in the mission field, and many times we would go into towns or villages and things, and we would find very loving people there who happened to worship trees. And what, what's really cool about this, Dr. Jennings, is that God is already making inroads into their hearts. God is already there in his spirit guiding them or motivating them to do these wonderful things, and we just simply have to help them identify what's already there, wouldn't you say? 
Yes, and what what we're talking about are universal laws or God's design laws yeah. on how relationships operate and how reality works. And when we identify those in different cultures, we find harmony and unity and all things coming together under one head, Jesus Christ. What happens that causes division is when we accept the lie that God's laws, like human laws, made up rules, and then we make up our religious rules mm. where you have to go to church in this way, you have to be baptized in that way, you have to dress this way, you have to pay so much in the church offerings or whatever, and, and we start making up rules religiously in some way that you have to attest to or functions you have to do or rituals you have to perform, and that causes division because they're all arbitrarily made up. But when we focus on the principles of God, it brings unity and harmony. I'm going to ask you the one last question you have 60 seconds to answer. You talked about being healthy, trustworthy, and honesty, and freedom, and love. What is the number one thing that we as human beings can do to destroy all of those at the same time? What is the wrench that we can throw into those gears? Ultimately, when we operate based on fear, which causes us to turn to self, mm. fear and love are inversely proportional. One goes up, the other goes down. The more fearful we get, the more self-centered we get, and other people then become resources we need to use to advance or protect self, or they're threats that we see that we need to eliminate because they can hurt us. So the number one thing that destroys is fear, which drives us to selfishness. And the only way we can overcome fear and selfishness, in my understanding, is through a trust relationship with Jesus Christ, who pours his love into our hearts and takes away our fears. Dr. Tim Jennings with us today. Comeandreason.com is the website. Dr. Jennings, you, you have on your website something called tracks, these little brochure type things. What are those for? Those are for sharing. They're just very small easy to read. We have different topics that people can get, and they can be a resource to kind of get people move in the right direction. And then it also has our website address so it can lead them back to other resources they want more in-depth treatment of a topic. All right, listener, comeandreason.com. Check out the sharing tracks there. If you ever wish, man, I wish my neighbor or my friend or my spouse or my coworker could hear what Dr. Jennings just said on that topic, it's probably covered in one of those tracks. And you can order some of those and you can hand them out and you can put them in people's shopping bags or with their permission of course and uh, just sort of share them with the people out there that you love and they can learn the good things that you're learning here listening to this program that's all at commonreason.com dr jennings thank you so much for sharing today appreciate it thank you charles and listener until next time this is charles mills along with dr tim jennings wishing you god's presence in your life goodbye everyone Thank you for spending time with us today. To continue the journey, I urge you to visit comeandreason.com. Here you'll find many excellent resources to help you gain a deeper understanding of the God we all love and serve. That's at comeandreason.com. This is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, inviting you to join us the next time we come and reason together. Come and reason.